Welcome back to Honestly Alicia. I'm your host, Alicia, and honestly, it's all about relationship. On this episode, I talked to Andrew. Andrew is the president of Construction Analytics Group, which provides expert witness, consulting, and training services to the construction and insurance industries. He is also my husband's nephew and a dad to a five-year-old son. In March of 2022, after many difficult months and a struggle with mental health issues, his wife died by suicide. I know this is a heavy topic, so you'll want to preview the episode before you allow younger ears to listen. However, there is so much hope to be found in his story. Listen to part one of my interview with Andrew and be inspired by his intentionality, how he kept steadily looking to the future, and how he paused to find beauty in the present, all while parenting his preschool son. Enjoy part one of this interview. So I have Andrew with me. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Hello. Hello. All right. So let's just jump in. Would you briefly share about the last year of your life? Yeah, so it's a heavy one. Right. Um, <laughs> and briefly, I don't think is going to be possible. Yeah, briefly is hard. Yes. I'll, I'll try just to give share us... about your last yeah. year. So last March, it was 2022, uh, my wife took her own life. So she... Yeah, we were married for eight, almost nine years. Uh, we had at the time a four-year-old. He's five now. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was nine to 12 months of a lot of anxiety and depression before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, when it finally happened, I think it was obviously one of those things where you, you have to change the direction of your entire life and you have to make really um, like cognizant decisions of like how that's going to affect like your son and you and just really finding like how to navigate life after that you know, big of a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, really fast forward to now, like, and, and I think a big reason why we're here just talking about this is like, just when you have that happen, just going through steps of grief and like the correct way, but then there's a, there's kind of a switch at some point, you know, which I, I kind of like delineated, you know, grief and then like, all right, how do I, how do I progress my life? It's not over, you know, like how do I mm-hmm. navigate this like in a, in a healthy way, but also one that's like very intentful, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, you know, as you come up on the anniversary there's going to be levels or are you feeling right now just like I've grieved because mm-hmm. you really did set a time you know you set yeah. a part time and we'll talk about that but you know as it comes up on the anniversary of her death where mm-hmm. it's like okay there's going to be another level of moving through that yeah so for me and it's a, it's a really interesting topic because I'm, I'm really against like not against but I guess I'm just kind of resistant to like setting anniversaries where you know, I like to call it like the grief pool. Like you're like throwing yourself into the pool, like mm-hmm. intentionally. And you're like almost like, and I don't know why people do that sometimes. And I think sometimes it's subconscious, but mm-hmm. like yeah. you have something like that happen and you, there's like this pool of grief. And for some reason, people like almost intentionally revisit that pain over and over and over again, you know? And for me, like a one year anniversary for me, it, it just seems kind of useless, you know? Like I think there's a lot of pain that can come out of like, wow, that was last year. And you know, just realizing, wow, that was one year ago today. Mm-hmm. But I think like when people almost revisit like the full extent of the pain and the sadness, mm-hmm. and then it was have like anniversaries said, like, I don't think that that's healthy. But I mean, I will say like, you know, I saw some pretty horrible things, you know, I found her like, mm-hmm. after dropping my son off, like, so I mean, it, the PTSD from that is something that like, yeah, like I have painful memories that come up, but they're ones that I'm able to like, kind of push and be like, no, that was in 2022. I'm in 2023 now, you know, and mm-hmm. Try to this is not last year and next present. year won't be, you know, two years prior, you know, it's like, this is a new year. It's, it's, you know, and it has to be that way. So if that makes sense, like mm-hmm. it's, yeah. yeah. It so yeah, separating that out has been, 
a big thing for me. But I mean, we're not quite at the one year anniversary yet. Right. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the plan. So. Right. But you're not intentionally going to like take the day and grieve. You're like, I'm just going to do whatever I need to do. Yeah. Today and... Well, and what's interesting too is like, I've already gone through some seasons where like, okay, you pass the first Thanksgiving without her or yeah. the first Christmas. And like, what's interesting is I've kind of redefined my life in a way where like I go through that. I'm making a new memory, like a happy memory. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty crazy how many people reach out and they have good intentions, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, they'll reach out almost kind of setting you up for like getting back in the pool. Almost like, hey, it's the first Christmas. I know this must be hard. And, mm-hmm. and meanwhile, I'm sitting there, you know, with, with my son, Michael, and, you know, having actually a really good day, yeah. you know, and it's, it's just, you have to kind of filter out like, okay, like, you know, there's other people grieving through this. And sometimes that grief spills over into yes. years and sometimes they don't align. Like sometimes yeah. my sad day you know, is not theirs and vice versa, you know? Right. Um, like it's not always going to be on the date. Yeah. That it makes sense. Your sad <clears throat> mm-hmm. day could just be some random Tuesday. Yeah. Or... And it really proves how like individual yeah. it is, you know, but it also proves like, you know, filtering that out is, is hard, you know, because yeah. it's almost like all that noise wants to like kind of hone in on you and push, push you, you back in, to that push place. Push you into you the know? pool. I yeah. like the pool. The Did pool. you learn? Where'd you learn? I that? honestly just I've thought of that concept okay. like and and more so specific to Michael because mm-hmm. like some of the advice that I've gotten through through this I'm just like all right am I throwing him back in the pool or am I taking him out of the pool drawing him off and and moving on mm-hmm. you know and and I and I always think of that analogy kind of hmm. I like that so Why are you open to sharing it because it is such a painful tragic mm-hmm story and I know you've already shared it publicly yeah this yeah many the times first time. yeah. yeah and I th- you know I think there's so many reasons I think for one even from the beginning I was very open and just sharing it you know because I'm I think you know I remember when I kind of had to restart my life obviously totally restart my life and I you know sold the house you know and I'm, I'm trying to make sure Michael's steady and so it's kind of you know the same things in his life that make him feel you know like he has some stability but also kind of like transitioning from like that stability to like a new stability because it's not an instant thing but i remember going out to like a restaurant or i'd go to like you know i just go go to like you know have a beer after a workout and i and i had a little uh, brewery right by my apartment that i got and i remember i'd go there and like i'd strike up conversations with people that i didn't really know and like you know for me it'd been three weeks in this specific example since it happened and i remember sitting there and i'm like wow it's been forever like three weeks is um, i'm happy to be three weeks away from instead of two days or one day But for many people, three weeks are like, wow, that happened like yesterday. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm sitting there thinking like, wow, it's been forever. Like that mm-hmm. that felt like two years, you know, just that three weeks and how many emotions I went through. I remember sitting down at this one um, restaurant and like this couple was going out on their first date. They just had a baby. They were excited and like, and I'm just by myself and who knows what people kind of think, you know, and you're just a guy yeah. by yourself drinking a beer at <laughs> a bar. But like for me, I was just sitting there. I'm like, all right, I'm just, you know, this is a new chapter of life. It's kind of, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm actually having a pretty good day at that point. Yeah. Um, which I was very thankful for. But like when you, when you open up and you share kind of your story, you just, did you just like tap their shoulder there next door at like a no, different table so, and be like, hi, yeah. so I'm Andrew, let me tell you my story. I was sitting there and I was sitting next to an older gentleman. I was talking to him and I'd already kind of uh, struck up conversation with maybe a, a, another individual and a couple, the couple that was going on a date. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of, you know, transitioned from one to the next, like, you know, I was talking to them and then I was talking to the guy next Got to me it. and I was talking to this, this guy and I had found out that he actually lost his significant other, uh, to suicide like 30 years prior. 
So when I said, and just kind of older man, yeah, yeah. So he'd experienced, this is three weeks after. Um, and what's crazy is this apartment I met probably three or four people that experienced something similar and maybe it wasn't their spouse, but their son or their daughter or whatever. Um, but when I, when I opened up to this individual, the couple and, and the guy that I was also talking to, they heard me. And they, you could just tell it just stopped them dead in their tracks. And yeah. I think it was kind of a, it's just a powerful thing when you choose to like be open with people about it. Um, because I think a lot of people, they don't, you know, I mean, we go to the grief discussion too, but it's like, I don't think a lot of people have something that out of the ordinary as far as a loss goes. Like a lot of people, their loss is like, you lose your mom at some point, your yeah. dad, your grandparents. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, those are normal losses and they can happen randomly and it's surprising maybe sometimes. But I mean, when you lose your spouse at 31 and you have a child and like, yeah. And and you're doing pretty well, and I think people can kind of feel it. You just realize like this is a powerful thing to share, yeah. you know. And and you can see people's reaction. They they actually paid for my meal. They went home, and it's like, wow, this is impactful. Like, mm-hmm. and I can kind of take this experience and impact people. All also while navigating it, obviously. But yeah. But I mean, if people can watch you go through that, I think it's it's kind of cool for them too, and they can get something out of it. So yeah. So I'd regularly go and work out, and at this apartment. Um, I'd work out all the time. Sometimes I'd bring Michael down and I'd, I'd start a movie for him and he'd have his headphones on. And I got a lot of attention just because people are like, wow, this guy has a son. We only ever see them two, like together. Like we don't see anyone else. Like what's his story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd be working on, and I'd get a lot of people just out of curiosity, like, is that your son? Like he's so well behaved, you know? And, and he's so cute. And too. people <laughs> kind of perceive us as being like happy and they, and little did they know it'd been like right. four weeks, five weeks since, you know? Yeah. And again, that seemed like forever, but it, it just struck up a lot of opportunities for conversation of like, you know, I, I'd be in the gym and I remember like two individuals that I met where I'm like, yeah, my, my wife passed away uh, like four or five weeks ago. But yeah, I mean, I, I met a, I met one individual whose son uh, ended his own life at 16 and this individual is probably like 48, 50. Yeah. Something I identified too is just like every time I'd have these interactions, you just see people you know, where you meet them. And I realized I was one of them too, of just like, you meet someone and you don't know what they go through, but yet here they are living their life, like with a smile on their face. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, I just had so many moments of like reinforcement of the, the path I chose to grieve and the path that I chose to like progress my life after that was the right one, yeah. you know, and meeting other people that went through something similar. I'm guessing for them to, to just look at you and say, well, first of all, I'm not alone. You know, I've, I've walked through this horrible thing and I'm not the only one that's done it. Yeah. And he's standing up, he's moving forward. I can continue to move forward in my life. I think it's a good encouragement. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember so many times sitting there too. And like, you know, it's interesting when you go through something like that, you sit in a room of otherwise normal individuals who are just, maybe they just had a hard work week and they're yeah. on the weekend, you know? And I remember always, and I still do this, but I sit there and I'm just like, wow, my wife committed suicide uh-huh. nine months ago. And I wonder who, and, and, and there, there aren't many people. Of course, I, I, you know, I think I met a lot of those people, you know, maybe, you know, God watching out for me, just like letting me know that, you know, there's others like you, you know? And, yeah. and it was, it was a cool thing. And I knew that that existed. Like I was actually in the fire department uh, at a young age and like I saw death, I saw suicides, yeah. you know? And it, and I think that helped me in some way just cause it wasn't as traumatic. Um, obviously if it happens in your household, it's hard. Right. But, but you were aware, I feel like until I lost my friend yeah. five years ago yeah. that I just felt like that's something that only happens to other people. And then for this to happen again, then in our family, yes. it's like, 
oh, this is something we need to really be aware of. Yes. But you already had that because of the fire department. Yeah, and at a young age too, I think an important point is like being able to like delineate between being in like a really dark situation. You know, for instance, at a young age, I'd go on a call and I'd see a suicide or a death or like a traffic accident or something where someone passed away or was just gravely injured, you yeah. know? And then I'd go, like at the, I was volunteering at the time and I worked at Starbucks to make money and get benefits. So I remember yeah. I'd go from that to work, you know, and just that, that difference, like right. it's so similar to what I experienced even going through this of like just being able to like differentiate between, wow, this is dark, but you know, turning the page and be like, but like life is still good. Like I have all these emotions bottled up inside of me yeah. and, and this is really hard, but like you realize that there's all these outside, you know, th this goodness that like you can't forget is there, you know, yeah. and you have to still address that like life is still good. There's still good things. Yeah. Um, and that's that's difficult, but I think that yeah. that skill helped at a young Do age. Do you feel like, I'm going to just say it a different way, what I feel like I've been learning over the last few years is the both and, where it's like, you know, things are really hard and there's so much beauty. Mm -hmm. And holding that tension constantly. Yes. Because yeah. I feel like so often we as humans want to just dive into one or the other, mm -hmm. like that pool of grief. Yeah. You know, it's so horrible, everything's sad. Or denial, yeah. everything's wonderful. Yeah. Everything's no pool. perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to hold that tension, I think it takes a lot of maturity, a lot of self-awareness. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're saying with that transition? Yeah. With, like fire department to Starbucks or death of Irina to working out? Yep. And, and I don't think like that, that grief process, like when I think of like the pool mm -hmm. or like maybe, maybe being in denial and never jumping in the pool. Like, you know, I think a lot of the advice you get, it sounds very like linear, like you have to do this and you have to do this and, and there is a balance, but you have to continue doing it. And for me, it was very like, it, it just wasn't a linear thing. Like at first, obviously like, yeah, like I addressed the grief head on, like for the first two weeks, like I did, I, I reacted to it a certain way. I let me feel certain things. Yeah. And I wasn't ignoring them. And obviously there was a lot of grief before she even passed away of just right. like, I'm it, losing my wife, yes, you know, you knew it um, was coming at some point. But after like in this, in, you know, simple terms, like when I say like linear, it wasn't like I maintained that like every two weeks I'd go back to a week of grief where I just sob. And like, if I needed to grieve, like I let myself grieve, but also there's that time where like you have to kind of go back and forth and then maybe the, the proportions of how much you're in the pool versus outside, like they change, yeah. you know, and, and they're not, um, it's not like a constant thing. And I think that's where maybe, I mean, that's a good point. And I think it's something that people miss or maybe they just, maybe they just never learn how to do it, you know? And I wouldn't say that I learned, but it just, it felt like something that was the right way to go, you yeah. know? And when you see good results from it, it kind of reinforces it too. Yeah. Can I ask, and then that really leads me to the question about, how was handling grief modeled for you in the culture you grew up in and in your church? Yeah, so um, I think I'd like to start by saying, like, I think when you're a child or, you know, a kid or a young adult, um, I don't think you're, like, consciously, like, thinking, I'm going to learn how to grieve, you know? Like, that's not a class you take. Or it's not like, you don't look at your parents, it's like, wow, they're they're grieving really unhealthy or healthy, and I admire that. But I think you, like, subconsciously yeah, you learn pick it. things up. I definitely had some modeling of just, like, all right, like those are painful experiences and kind of life shuts down for a while and you feel that weight, you know, in your, in your family. And, mm -hmm. and of course you pick stuff like that up. Um, and in my church, I wouldn't say that I really gave much attention to like how people grieve. Right. Obviously you have a, you have a faith based like recovery out of grief or whatever, mm -hmm. but like it's, I don't feel like it's that well 
discussed, you know, mm-hmm. like that topic, yeah. at least for me. True. So my wife was from Ukraine. Yes. So she was from a Russian culture because mm-hmm. uh, they're in the, the far eastern part of Ukraine. And her whole friendship base was from people from Kazakhstan or like other Soviet era countries. Um, and, and there was a lot of Russian culture in that and just the way that they grieve. And they're like, and, it, it, and you're right, like the subcultures of like yeah. how you grieve. I mean, that's something I saw like even with that. You know? Right. So to be clear, they live here. Yes. And you are in relationship with them because yes. of Irina. Yes. Right. So you saw them after. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and just the contrast from like how your family grieves, how your brothers and brother and sister grieves right. versus like, you know, your son versus like her friends, you right. know, her parents. And it was just, you realize that's, it's a, it's a lot of different categories of like right. how you grieve, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of that, what was modeled for you? Because I think as I've walked through different things and different losses too, I, I think oh, I really kind of do what was modeled for me. Mm -hmm. Unless I stop and think and go, wait, no, this doesn't really work for me. I'm, it's okay for me to do this differently or that differently or, you know, cause it's so individual, even within the subcultures. Yeah. And I remember, um, for me at some point, and I don't remember this, but like, I just think it happened where I established like my own way of grieving, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that maybe came from the fire department. Like I remember certain memories where I just was triggered by something and it was so hard. I saw but I remember like the next day I'd be at Starbucks and I remember like I would I would just cry and they'd be like, oh man, like, and I think somewhere along the way, and that's when I was like 21, yeah. 20 maybe. Um, and I, I think through that, I established kind of my own way of grieving mm-hmm. and I didn't really latch on to like, because I, I think really by definition, like how my family grieved and how like going back to like how that's, how that really like is exhibited to you in your uh, young age. Um, I didn't necessarily like follow that, but I think I identified that that was like kind of normal. Like yeah. most people grieve that way, yeah. you know, and, and that's just, that is what it is, you know, but this really challenged me going through this of like being way more intentional about like, if I make this decision, it's going to affect me this way. Or it's going to affect Michael this way. We're right. Like, and, and doing it as a dad, I yeah. think that's a whole nother level. Yeah. And it's a lot of responsibility, yeah. you know, and, and you have to filter out like, Hey, all these people give me advice. Like they're saying that from their perspective of grief right. and like, sure, they're trying to be sympathetic, but like you, you can't really understand what it's like unless you're in that. And like, you're a husband who has a son that's four and have your personality. Yeah. Because what happens for you and how you walk through it is going to be totally different with, with yeah. another dad, yep. with a kid, yeah, with a different personality. Yeah. Like you did it the right way that you needed to do it. Yeah. And I, I think a big thing for me that really helped was like, really being able to like we talk about like the contrast of like good and bad or like that dark just environment and then you know being able to jump out of that into like going to work out or going Mm -hmm. to see a friend and just maintaining yourself while you're going through this really hard thing and that that was a really key thing for me yeah Um, but I remember even you know like when I found her like we were driving to the hospital I'm with a paramedic in his truck and they resuscitated her and we're going to the hospital I'm just like I have no idea but like this is yeah what is this going to happen? Like, what's going to happen? What's yeah. going to happen to my life? Like, my son is at school. He has no idea, right. you know? And But I remember distinctively, I remember getting um, out of the truck, going inside, terrible, like, obvious she wasn't going to make it. Yeah. And I remember walking outside of the hospital, and I felt the sun hit my face. And I remember just feeling, like, warmth. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, just at that point, even if it's a small little thing, I remember identifying, like, oh, there's warmth. Like, there's yeah. sunshine. Like, like, I love being outside right now. This feels yeah. good. But I think just, you know, th- those little things for me were key when I was going through it even. of just like, I'd be working out and I'd get my like endorphins up and I'd be all excited. And like, <laughs> you're like, oh, there's, there's still good. And then yeah. you'd go back into an environment that was just horrific, you know? Yeah. 
but that was that was really important for me of just being very diligent about like reminding myself that even going through this and this is hard like I'm not gonna throw myself in the pool (laughs) you know and and just like kind of uh kind of give in to that being my entire life you know one of my favorite uh he's a he has a doctorate so it's dr kirk thompson he's an author and he has a podcast and stuff and he always talks about putting yourself in the path of oncoming beauty Mm -hmm. it's just a quote he says i love it yeah Yeah, Yeah. it's so cool and he's just like we have to be intentional about Mm -hmm. that yeah whatever that is for you so let's talk about that so what did you do what have you done over the last year to help process this difficult loss um just share things some of the things that you did um so i think like you know we we go back to like me taking care of myself like before and it was i mean it was horrific things like it was it was a challenge like multiple attempts like and me making sure that my son was okay like i mean that's a lot to juggle you have work you have you know and and i think that was kind of for me like the the denial phase of it was before it actually happened because like i'm in this Mm -hmm. phase where like i had a seemingly what i thought at the time like a normal life sure there was anxiety like Mm -hmm. but we are married for eight or nine years like that becomes a very foundational part of your life you know it felt normal to you felt normal to me and like as it got worse and worse and worse like I think you you know I was definitely in denial Mm -hmm. and that was like the the phases of grief right like I was in that and I was grieving at the same time just like man this I'm like this is a loss like this is really hard but I was definitely in denial of like when things were good you know and they were maybe it was extreme one day and the next day it seemed a little bit normal Uh you're almost like oh like it's normal again you know, or, mm. so I, I think that that phase of it was almost before it occurred. Yeah. So all that grief that I had going through before it actually happened, I think kind of helped me because when it did happen, I'm like, I'd already grieved so much at that point. Right. Um, there so was, how many months was it that she was really struggling? Yeah. I mean, it started probably in May or June. So, I mean, I would say it was a good, I guess that'd be like eight months. Yeah. Eight you know? months of total chaos. Yeah. Where And it was just, that was a very like linear thing it was like 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 where it was progressively worse and worse and worse and worse and you're like can it get worse and it gets worse and yeah and then pretty soon you find yourself in a situation where you're like this is almost like deadly like this situation like i have to mm-hmm. like what, what do i do here you know and the denial part for me was you know when you're going through something like that with especially a spouse um it's hard to admit to people outside your mm-hmm. family until it hits a certain point where you're like i can't hide this anymore right like, and, and you know that, like, yeah. cause I relied on, on you guys, which aunt and uncle, like and yeah. you guys were huge for me, but like, that was a really hard thing for me to admit like how bad it was. And then again, you right. have a good day and you're almost in denial that like, well, yeah, you're you like, know, maybe we're okay. Yeah. Maybe we're okay. Or we're going in a good direction. I remember talking to many people who knew how bad it was. And then they talked to me again and it was during a good day yeah. and I'd say, yeah, we're actually doing really good. She's doing really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'd be like, Oh, great. Great. You know? And then the next day is horrific yeah. again. And you're like in this just oscillating cycle. <laughs> that's yeah. exhausting. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the denial part, the grief part when it actually happened, like I think really being honest at that point and not being in denial anymore. Like, because at that point I tried and I I did everything that I could, you know, so I didn't have guilt. I never went through like a guilt phase mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. I had moments where maybe I was like, you know, could I? And then I'm like, no, no. like absolutely not. And, and I remember even with you through it, mm-hmm. you literally were doing everything you could. Yeah. And I think that was really important for me yeah. of just realizing that I did everything possible. So when you get to a point where like, you know, 
they're gone. Like I did everything I could. It, it, it definitely helped me to like, I, I think it'd be much more complicated if I had regret or yeah. I had, so I, I didn't have that. And I had just that ability in the first two to three weeks in your basement yeah. just to like sob with Michael. And, yeah. and, but I was very, I was very straightforward with him and like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat this, even to a four-year-old. Like, I know. this is what it is. And like, let's just take this time and then we'll go to the next phase when yeah. that, when that happens, you know? And then, and it was so interesting to watch him as a child grieve that mm-hmm. he'd be playing and then he would just say, mommy died. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was super interesting to watch how we as adults, it, you handled it because you were in it. It didn't shock you. But for me to stay calm or for like when your mom was yeah. here to stay calm when her little baby grandson is yeah. like says it. Yeah. And just how like you're saying we put so much of our own grief on other people too because yeah. he's just like. Oh. oh, and he'd do that. We'd be at the pool or the hot tub and he'd be sitting there playing with his little truck in the hot tub and there'd be a stranger there and he'd be like, my mama died. Right. You know, and, and you're like, hi. And, yeah. And you're just like, hey, I'm Andrew. Nice to meet you. I'm in 1529. Right. You know? <laughs> you know, but yeah. And. But I mean, that, that that's expected, you know, but yeah. like what, what was crazy for me is, you know, being intentional about like, I mean, every day that goes by, he's going to act differently with that. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's hard because there's a lot of pressure on you as a parent when you go through something like that, because if I'm not in the correct spot in my grief process, I'm going to throw him off and it's pressuring, you know, but that's where like, for me, I think the big focus was not necessarily him. I think it was like me. And there are still days where like, if I'm off. I let him watch a show yeah, and I get myself back and then yeah. I go back and I'm like, for him, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to nub him today and he's going to watch right. the show. <laughs> he's gonna I don't care if he watches shows all day. It's like, yeah. this, it's okay. You yeah. know? And I'm just going to, I'm going to prioritize myself again, get back in line. And then when I come back, like I can be a good dad you yeah. know, and I can make sure that he's good. Right. But I've also had days like, and it's not easy. It's not perfect. But like, I've had days where like, you're just off as a parent, you can feel it. And you're short-tempered or maybe you don't react to certain things the right way. But, like, I try to at least be aware of mm-hmm. when I'm like that and, and be like, okay, I need to reprioritize here. Yeah. <laughs> Get myself back, you know. Yes. But I've realized how important that is because it's, you know, you are, the, like, the biggest filter for, like, the things that can be kind of, like, directed at them mm-hmm. that are not healthy. <laughs> yeah. And identifying that is, is big. And what I mean is, like, you know, one one piece of advice that I got at the beginning and still get is, like, you should really print a picture of her uh, and put it on his nightstand so like he can he can see her. And I'm just like, absolutely not. Yeah. Like and and for me and I think that's the hard part of like the the balance of like being emotional and being like intentful of like progression. You right. know. And if he asks later on. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I let him prompt yes. grief. Like I don't throw him in the pool yes. just because I want to. Or I'm you know there's there's occasionally times where I want to check in with him and it's been a while and I'll ask like hey like how are you doing like. Yeah, are you doing okay with you know mama like mm-hmm. you know and he'll he'll just be like yeah i'm doing really good and and a lot of the things he reacts with is i'm like good like we're going the right direction yeah. here because he's he's doing really well but you know and it's been a while but you know and we're we're quite a ways after you know kind of on one year yeah but like if he does prompt things or if he is sad like i stop everything and i'm just like all right let's take care of like this and he's so good like yeah. if you just address it you know and yeah. and then the next day he's He's back to himself, you know, right. and he's good. But he's also a pretty special. But it's hard. Kid. It's a lot of yeah. He is. He's but just like magical. Navigating so. that is hard. But like going yeah. back to the the picture thing of like, you know, for me a big thing was you know people looking in on that situation and like they're in a pool of grief and they almost like they kind of want to direct you to like 
And obviously they care about Michael a lot and they want right. to make sure that, you know, they're just sad for him. They're yeah. like, he doesn't have a mom. Like he needs to remember his mom. Mm-hmm. But my perspective was like, all right, like if I take the emotion out of it a little bit, like honestly, he doesn't have a mom. Like she's not physically present. Right. And he's at an age where he really needs like mm-hmm. a physical, if he's going to call someone to his mom. So like she, she needs to be physically present, yeah. you know? So that was a big thing for me of just like taking the emotion out of him like is this good or bad for him in the long run right you know and and what am i teaching him by doing this and yeah. i kept going back to that pool analogy of like i'm not gonna throw him in the pool myself like if he wants to go to the pool for a little bit i'll join him and yeah we'll get out together you know? yeah. but yeah i love that yeah okay so tell me about going back to just the different things like you you were saying when you were here for the that little bit mm-hmm. you allowed yourself to cry and you allowed him to have his feelings um I feel like you took some time over the summer. So she died in March and then in the summer, um, what were just some of the things that you did that you feel like you were able to heal and help him heal through that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot has changed my life in the last, you know, 12 months or nine months even. Um, and I think a big thing for me was obviously just, you know, going into, something that reminded you that there's still like beauty in the Mm -hmm. world or we'd go on hikes or we'd go camping or we would go get away. We would travel, you know? Um, and like through that, I think it's, it's really cool to see how that like kind of implanted in him. Like I remember even at the beginning, I would say not like the beginning, beginning, but probably like a month two in, I'd be like, like, I know mama passed away. Like, and it's horribly sad and it's, it's just tragic, but like, life's still beautiful, you know, and like, look around, like the sun's out, you know, and and it was really cool because he eventually started like regurgitating that. Like, so he would at some point be like, he didn't tell strangers. He's like, my mama passed away, but life is still beautiful, you know, (laughs) but, but I mean, I think that's like, it's a healthy mindset and that's cool. And you see that from like a four or five year old. So that was like reinforcing for me. Um, another thing for me was like, you know, I felt like I never lost myself through that. I feel like you know, I, I always think of the word like codependency of, of like a lot of people perceive that as like you're codependent on like a girlfriend and she breaks up with you or you're codependent on like work or money. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was like, I don't want to be codependent on this idea of what my life should have been or like, you know, like when you're married for eight, nine years, that's like, again, like a foundational part of your yeah. life. And you can be kind of codependent on that idea where when it gets stripped away and you get kind of rug pulled, yeah, you're like... And did I lose myself? Like, like, what is my life even now? You know, and right. for me, it was very intentional about, or being very intentional about, like, I'm still me. I still have a really good life. I'm still very young. And honestly, like, kind of, kind of appreciating that experience in some way and realizing, like, especially on the other side, when you're like, I can help a lot of people. And this happens. It's, it's not uncommon, you know. Right. Unfortunately, it's not. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that was a big thing. And then I think... um you know, again, spending time with Michael and realizing when I was not in a good spot, allowing myself to like go back into, you know, prioritizing myself yeah, um, and going from there. So, yeah. Do you want to share about spreading her ashes? Why you chose that spot? Describe it. Yeah, it, it was interesting because like my life had almost progressed so fast and it's, it's really hard to understand, but my life had recovered in a way where, and I was very intentful about like, I want to recover. I don't want to sit here forever. I want to recover. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get my life back. I want to get stability back. And like, I don't want to just sit here in the pool, you know? Yeah. Um, and that turned into like, 
my life changing in the sense of like I started dating, like I started like doing things that I knew were healthy, but I like heavily assessed like is this a healthy idea or not? Right. Um, but like when the time came to like, you know, I'm like, all right, I need to spread her ashes. They've been sitting uh, in my apartment for a while, and this is something I need to do, and this is a very special moment, you know, and, and I want to experience this with Michael. Um, and I brought a really close friend, um, and I'm really big into like 14ers and hiking and. Uh, Michael's done two. How old was he when he did his first one? Three, yeah. Yeah, we did Mount Beerstead, and he was three, and it was awesome. <laughs> and he loved it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then we've done Just one. for context, that yeah. this is not out of the ordinary no. for you to do a 14er. Yeah, and so, yeah, we went, I went with a friend. I really wanted someone there. Uh, and this was, a, this was a really hard thing for me because, like, this was the one thing for me where, you know, it was the pool kind of for me. Like, you know, where my life could be really good, but then I'd go in my closet and I'd like change and I'd look up and be like, I, her ashes are in yeah. the closet, you know? And then wow. you're just like, wow, I did go through that. Yeah. It's wow. Real. Like, and it, yeah, and it's, it's very real. So, but that, all that to say, like, it, this is a very special moment. So I was like, I'm going to take Michael, uh, we're going to go to Mount of the Holy Cross. And it just seemed like a very fitting mountain. Mm -hmm. uh, and we went there and we hiked it and I went with a really close friend of mine, uh, which was actually really helpful because like, it was kind of that reminder with me of like, hey, like I have a good friend here. Like, you know, my friendships support me. My yeah. family supports me. So I kind of wanted him there. Um, and yeah, we went up there and I just kind of held Michael and we found a really cool spot almost by the summit. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, you know, and I and I definitely got emotional. It was very, very hard for me. Um, but yeah, we, we did it together. I gave him a big hug. And yeah. of course, he doesn't really know what this even means. Like what, right, what's going confusing. on. Yeah, but just it had to do with mom. Yeah, but it, it was kind of the closure of like, all right, like this was, and it was kind of hanging over my head for a little bit. And I, and I had a lot of things like that, like the service. Um, so many things were, right. it was very well, challenging. Well, because she died in mm -hmm. March and then the service was when? April. Yeah, okay. late April. Yeah. Um, but what's crazy and going back to like one week for me felt like a year. That's know? why I was asking because I feel like it felt like months. Yes, and it months did. Months <laughs> until yeah. the service between. Um, but it was good for me because I could kind of go into the service and, and I felt so... And you, you were there. Mm -hmm. Like, I honestly felt that day happy. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, um, kind of like overjoyed a bit that like we could celebrate that day. And like, and I was already in a good like spot. It would have been very difficult to do that. Right. A right. week after, two weeks oh, after. Three. Goodness, I mean, no. Yeah. But it was, it was great because I could kind of again, that balance of like going into the pool and stepping out like that day I went back in the pool, but yeah. I was like in a good spot to yeah. do that. Um, and that was really important. But the same thing with like spreading your ashes, you know, and it was like, it was like a very interlaced thing where it was like a healthy balance. Yeah. Um, but a very, very special day. And I have lots of great photos of it, you know, and it's, yeah, yeah it's something that, that I'll never forget. You know, right. I love that. Let's pause the conversation for now. We'll get back to it next time. In the meantime, enjoy another chicken story that will hopefully make you smile. It's time for a segment called, What is Happening? All right, Andrew, go ahead and tell us about your story. All right, this is a story about chicken assassination during covid Everyone experienced an egg shortage. So I really like eggs. So I got five chickens and they only allow four. So I was already out of compliance. And I bought a chicken coop. And these things were, I mean, it sounded like a great idea. We started getting eggs. Took a while to get them. So that was annoying. But um, yeah, I moved them from the top of the yard 
uh, this like retaining wall down to the bottom under the deck. So I made them like a little chicken run and stuff. Under the deck? Under the deck. Okay. Yep. So they're, they're little Koopas under the deck. And uh, if you know anything about chickens, usually one of the hens will become like kind of the dominant one. Uh, and they were all kind of loud, but this one was like so loud. Like 6 a.m. she would just be squawking. Let's hear it. She'd be like... <laughs> like at 6 a.m. Like that loud. And, like, you could hear it on the other side of the house. Like, people could hear it. I mean, sometimes I'd be working in the front yard. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, these things are... That that one, it needs to go. Yeah. Um, and I had this moment, this one morning, where it happened so many times. And I was sick of just jumping out of bed at, like, 6 in the morning, 5.30, and going down and, like, literally, like, just, just wanting to strangle this bird. And one day, I just had enough. So I woke up, uh, and it had done that in the morning, and I was already mad. Um, and uh, later in the day... Uh, she started doing it again. I was working on my computer and just the same noise. And you're like, what are you doing? And she'd be a bird where like the four others were like around the corner out of sight and she'd freak out and just like, she'd just like lose it. And she was so loud. I was so mad. So I went out there and I'm like, Did she have a name? Uh, we called them the Kardashian hens because they're <laughs> dramatic, but she was especially dramatic. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I walked out there with my pellet gun, and I'm like, this bird is done. She's gone, uh, and we need to get down to four anyway so we don't get an HOA letter. Um, so I basically assassinated her in my yard, uh, and it was it was actually, like, very relieving, uh, but I felt kind of dark <laughs> when I did it. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so it's like everyone knows what a pellet gun sounds like. The first shot I missed, so I had to get a little closer. <laughs> so uh, once the deed was done, <laughs> I... Walked around the corner, uh, and I had a black trash bag, and I'm holding her in the black trash bag. And people ask me, like, why didn't you eat her? And I'm like, I was mad. I didn't want it. No. I was so mad, I wanted to put her in the body bag and throw her away. I was so mad at her. And I walked around the corner, and I looked down, and I have, like, a little bit of blood on my sweats. And I'm holding a pellet gun, and I look up, and my neighbor's sitting <laughs> out on the porch, like, like the house next to me. And she's like reading a book or something on her phone. And I was like, there's no way she didn't hear that. And I'm like hiding the Pelagon behind me, you know, and she knows we have chickens and we love them. And I just, and then I just walked back inside, put the gun away. I go back to my keyboard and I like, I'm like typing an email and I'm like, I'm a murderer. <laughs> it was a dark day, but yeah. it, I mean, yeah, it was a, a funny moment. <laughs> yeah. Thanks but so she much. probably saw it. So you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. It's our neighbor. Yep. Chicken assassinations part one. Oh my gosh. Thanks for spending your valuable time listening in. Honestly, Alicia. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please share it with others or take a minute to give it some stars. This will help others to find the show and experience encouraging, life-giving, authentic conversations that remind them they are not alone in navigating this crazy world.